despair is a child with dyed hair and who likes earrings. Like whatever they say has no bearing. It's so scary in a house that allows no swearing to see him walking around with his headphones blaring. Alone in his own zone, cold and he don't care. He's a problem child. And what bothers him all comes out when he talks about his dad walking out. Cause he hates him so bad that he blocks him out. If he ever saw him again, he'd probably knock him out. His thoughts are wax. He's mad, so he's talking back. Talking black. Brainwashed from rock and rap. He sags his pants. In a stocking cap. His stepfather hit him, so he socked him back and broke his nose. His house is a broken home. There's no control. He just lets his emotions go. I cannot say I know about his heroin because I don't want to ever feel like I'm dying. Um, I'm trying to. I'm, I like uppers. I like to feel like I'm alive, but I don't like an upper that keeps me lasting for long because I'm not miserable like how people get. You know, when you. There's levels to shit. Meth. You know what I'm saying? Crystal meth and Molly are long lasting. You need that effect for long. People who do cocaine and are not, you know, they do it and they're functioning. Those people, they can, um, I mean, I don't know. And I'm like really high as fuck right now and I don't like that type of shit. So I don't mean to tell you my business, but I'm super high because I feel like people don't know what the fuck they're doing to people and they sell shit that's fucked up and that's not good. That's not cool. Like, Can you hear me? I can hear you. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can. I can. Okay. Okay. Got your little young. I, uh, uh, got your little young Mark Wahlberg thing going, huh? <laughs> you know what? Um, it's funny because uh, I was just talking to somebody because I used to be a uh, <clears throat> a personal trainer um, in 2014. Um, it's kind of when I first got you know uh, in some repercussions, and I was like. Shit, I need to start putting some masks on because I'm looking at, you know, some serious time. <laughs> so I um I worked at a gym, you know, got, you know, things going and I ended up getting pretty big. And uh, <clears throat> everybody that came in there was like, hey, no, you look like. <laughs> yeah. And it was funny because there was a hotel gym. So like uh, it was an actual gym, but it was in a hotel. So you were getting like new faces every day. So it was like <laughs> it was like literally every day. But it's, I, it's, it's just funny uh, stuff like that. And honestly, I'd rather take that than some other people. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's no question. There's no question. So good morning, brother. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I actually woke up excited for this. Um, I, I just knew that, you know, from our, you know, even little talk yesterday that we we probably have a lot more in common than we don't. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I think what you're doing is a huge, huge service, um, you know, for people that feel... Um, you know, that there's no way out or there's no hope or, um, you know, there's, um, you know, almost like suck it up, deal with it. Don't talk about it. That's how that, that's how they want it out now. But, you know, I think mental health is getting a nice, uh, platform right now. Uh, something we, we didn't really have, um, you know, I'm 31. Um, so I, when I grew up, you know, in my family household, it was just like, don't talk about it, you know, you know, didn't really, talk about feelings didn't really talk about much you know so i think that was kind of detrimental to be honest but that's just how it was you know right because if we if we're not talking about what's going on and the effects of what's going on then we'll never know what's causing these effects and and you know those those inhibitors will will remain in place 
you know, to keep triggering us. So, yeah, I mean, I appreciate that, Corey. And that's, that's essentially what it is for me is just, just getting the, the communities to understand that, <clears throat> you know, first and foremost, this is really our first interaction. We had a brief phone call yesterday. We just met, you know, the day prior, you know, through a, a mutual friend, Miss Cynthia Goldberg at the F8 Foundation, you know, which has really been great in, in establishing me with with wonderful people and connections. But here again, just like you just said, just from our b- brief interaction, we have a lot in common. And these are just two individuals. You're in Connecticut. I'm in Florida, right? No, I'm in uh, Ma- Massachusetts. Massachusetts. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah Mass, not, not Connecticut. I knew that. I just, I don't know why I said Connecticut. <laughs> sorry. But, but, um, so it's, it's either way, but it's, it's just plucking people out of, of, of the crowd and just seeing that we've gone through so many like circumstances. And when I go live on TikTok, right, when I go live on TikTok, I'll meet people. And we'll talk about the same thing. And you'll just be amazed at how many people are like, oh, you know, I was incarcerated or, oh, my father was incarcerated. My brother, my uncle, somebody has been through this system and and a family has dealt with it. But nobody's talking about it. And the reason why is because we shun it. You know what I mean? As 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 soon as somebody finds out that we had something to do with with prison. We're labeled as a criminal. We're labeled as as dangerous. We're labeled as, you know, uh, just whatever, whatever comes through that person's mind. But it's all negative, you know. Right. And that's that is what is allowing the system to continue. So it's very important to speak out on what's going on. This is why I'm doing what I do. You know, it's awesome. Um, Like I said, I, you know, you know, Cynthia really has been a huge uh um, you know, a huge person in my life, uh, you know, since 2015. And, um, I can see why she, you know, is she, she said nothing but good things about you. Um, and she, that's her, that's her goal right now, I feel. And it's, it's, and it's a great way that she's been approaching it too, because she's actually, she waits for me to get a certain amount of clean time in, in, in my head to be, you know, not foggy anymore, because, she knew my potential even before I knew it, you know? So I think she waits for the right time, you know, for the right moment to have people interact with each other because um, you know how it goes. Like, you know, somebody that's, I don't know, you know, freshly, you know, maybe a couple months clean or, or just in general with life experience, street, you know, street experience. And it's, it's harder to relate to somebody not saying you can't, but it's, she just waits for that perfect time. And I, uh, I thought about that the other day. I'm like, I really feel like everything is just, I don't think anything's for, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think everything happens for a reason. And like I said, I think it's the time and the right uh, place for it uh, to, to, for us to just, you know, connect and, uh, you know, really, um, you know, open up the doors for, you know, just bigger, better things. And, and honestly, just that, you know, that, you know, if somebody, at least one person out of these interviews, you know, takes something from it, you know, that's, that's a plus for us. You know what I mean? Like we, we do stuff like this and we talk about this stuff because we're, we know how it is, you know what I mean? And we know um, that that person just needs that little bit of, you know, hope because hope goes a long way. Um, and I was always that firm believer that, oh, uh, you know, it, it's just, I, I used to use that mentality, man. I, I, I just, I would close minded 
used my age as like a, a, a way for me to keep doing what I was doing. And, and honestly, it just, it, you know, one day it just, you know, clicked in it. And it's funny because we all say that awakening moment, you know what I mean? Like in your life, I'm sure, you know, and in my life, it was like, it, it you can almost like go to that, that like one instance where it just switches. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it comes out of nowhere sometimes. And, uh, you know, for me, it's all about that, that repercussions, but those repercussions, I feel saved my life. So that's, you know, it's just crazy. Well, you know, the, the brilliance of Cynthia again, and <clears throat> I think a lot of that, that brilliance comes from the fact that she's been through the grind. So she understands the mechanics, like, like anybody that goes through it, you know, she's not an outside spectator and, and she understands, you know, the right place and the right time, you know, she understands that. And I think that's where she, she marvels in, in her beauty at, but everything that you said is, is spot on and is true. And this is why, like with my channel, I'm not worried about likes and subscribes or, or view count for that. First and foremost, YouTube pulled my monetization. So I'm not really here to highlight and promote their channel, you know, but it's access to many, many people. And as long as the right people are watching my videos, right? For example, uh, I have an individual by the name of Demel Dukes, right? That's in prison under this felony murder law. And Demel Dukes was involved in in a robbery that ended up being a murder. He was not the trigger man. Right. Um, he would just went in for the for the gas station robbery and and uh, the, his his co co-defendant ended up killing the man and then they ran out or whatever. Uh, they both get felony life now because the juvenile law changed. Right. Uh, the trigger man was 17 at the time, I believe he was found, you know, as a juvenile. But now that the law had changed, he gets to come home in four or five years where Demel Dukes is stuck in prison for life. Right. So Jesus, we ran that interview and lo and behold, right. I get a comment from the victim's family. Right. And I, and in that comment, you know, they, you can go on YouTube under, under the Demel Dukes and, and for the listener and, and see the comments they're there. But in that comment, he says that he is the grandchild of the one that was murdered he he explains you know the uh the negative effect that this this crime had on his family and whatnot but at the end he said that the mel dukes was the only one to show remorse through trial the trigger man that's getting ready to come home showed no remorse showed no remorse and was actually staring the family down you know like mad dog and the family throughout the trial the mel dukes was the only one to show remorse and his family was the only one to apologize, you know, for, for the crime. And Demel has shown nothing but remorse and, and humbleness throughout his whole sentence. So um, I reached back out and, and uh, he reached back out to me. He said he would like to come on the show and, and discuss, right, the events. And I'm waiting to hear back on that, you know. So there's a lot of pressure on that because you're talking about the victim's family now coming forward, speaking in defense of this right. man coming home. So this is why I build the channel for that to happen. I wouldn't mm. care if I got 10 views, but if it was just that <laughs> one view that can change this person's life, that's right. the only view I'm looking for, like you said. So that's what, again, this is what the outreach is, you know. So 
let's get into you, Corey. Who are you? <laughs> you know? So, um, so yeah, my, that, that was just, I, that's the stuff I love before I even say about that's those, those are just what needs to happen. And it sucks that, you know, these YouTube are so it's, it's political based. Let's just, let's call it out is mm -hmm. all political based. Um, so like I said, I respect that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, my name is Corey Cheney. Um, I was, um, I was born, uh, in Framingham, but, um, I was, well, I, I was raised out, uh, um, Marlboro Mass. I don't know if you ever heard about Marlboro Mass. It's like, um, mm -hmm. it's like 20 minutes from, um, uh, Worcester. Uh, Worcester is where I reside now. Uh, but Marlboro is like literally like, you know, most of my years that that's where I grew up. You know, I went to, um, you know, I went to Marlboro public schools and, um, you know, and then, uh, before we get too much into like going into that term. Um, so I had a very, um, I had a very crazy upbringing. Uh, and it was one of those things that, um, I think it was so normal for me to go through that. So for me to be able to, uh, kind of go back and be like, well, you know, where did things go, you know, to that point? Um, it was almost like, uh, it, it, chaos was, was normal. So it, I, I, everything that I did and it was chaos, it was just like an everyday occurrence, you know? So it didn't really like feel like it was anything out of the blue, but you know, I'd go to certain friends house, you know, and, and, you know, I'd be like, wow, like they don't have that going on in their house. And like, it's not that I was judging in a sense, but it was more or less eye-opening at times. Um, you know, so I got, uh, I have a sister, uh, and a brother, uh, and he, my oldest brother, is uh you know eight years older than me my sister's four so we're all four years apart um but my me and my sister um have the same mom and dad me and my brother have um you know same mother different dads um so so your brother's so half <clears throat> you're you and your sister are full and you're half brother yes got yes. it okay um so uh yeah and uh you know from my early remembrance, um, I remember DCF already in the picture because my dad was, you call him like, I'd call him like a fair weather dad, <laughs> almost like he would come in and out and like acted like he was, you know, doing great, but it was doing more harm than good, to be honest, because it was like, it was always manipulation and making my, like, let's make your mother feel bad because of what's going on or let's, uh, you know, let's just talk shit and it was just like something I I just I, I saw that at an early age and I was already had that mindset of like wow like I, I, I kind of already knew what manipulation was and kind of like what he was doing um so I never would try to feed into it too much and, and it's crazy because that's like you know I was getting that at like six seven eight you know I was already having that sense and um so what happened was so DCF was in a mix a lot um, because my dad was physical, things happened. Um, and then out of the nowhere, boom, my sister gets like sick. Um, and we don't know really what it was. Um, and she, um, she, they, they diagnosed it as cat scratch fever at the time. Um, but, um, later on come to find out after she is in so much pain, she's in school, right? Hits her liver on the desk and um in absolute pain like ambulance had to come like that's like abnormal you know what i mean like that yeah. there's something really wrong and 
my mom was stressing to the doctors, check for cancer, check for cancer, check for cancer. And they never did. They said, no, 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 all this stuff. Right. So my mom is now pleading with them, which is absurd. Um, you know, check for cancer and lo and behold, uh, she has stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. She has 18 tumors on her liver. Um, so yeah. And it could have been, you know, almost stopped earlier or once it stopped, but like it was, it could have, it could have been, it could have been, yeah, it could have been, it could have been noticed earlier. Right. And it's like my mom, you know, could have, you know, was pleading with them and it's just so crazy how like, you know, that's just accountability, you know, it's just like, you know, anything that we'll talk about today is just like accountability, you know? Um, and so my sister's really sick and now I'm only eight. So she's really young. She's only 12. Um, you know, so I don't, cause the chaos and everything that was happening, like, I don't really know what's going on. Right. So I'm almost, I, I was a wild child. So like I, I could run amok and just nothing would happen because of circumstances, you know, like sadly, you know what I mean? Cause there wasn't so much attention on me. Obviously there needed to be attention on my sister. Right. So um, that's kind of like where a lot of things would happen in my life that kind of, like, you know how we always try to go back, like, where did things start going wrong? Or mm-hmm. where do you see where we're supposed things, to? You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Yes. That's, that's called working on yourself. Right. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, I, I, um, so my brother, um, he was actually 16 at the time and he was a, um, he was a, a goalie from Marlboro high, very, very good goalie. Like, so he was very, um, you know, popular in high school. So like what would happen was my mom, she worked at Raytheon for was it 16 years very good job um and since my dad was uh, you know that fair weather fan he always showed up once to the hospital and my mom had to quit her job or like leave her job and and to be at the hospital all the time because you know my sister she was in bad bad shape and um you know so that took away now so my dad's (laughs) not in the picture really um and this is your sister's dad right yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so I, it's now my brother, it's almost, he pretty much stepped up as like the father. You know what I mean? He, mm-hmm. he took it as a role of like, okay, well, you know, we don't have really anybody right now for the most part, um, you know, because my grandparents were working, you know, they, they were still working at the time at Raytheon. Um, and so, you know, there was no eyes on me and my brother. And you got to, my brother was like a wild child too and crazy um you know kind hearted at the time but like very crazy so i was at eight going to high school parties he was taking me everywhere i went i mean it was awesome for me um but i got exposed to a lot of shit that you know kids at that age shouldn't have saw um and i don't blame him i don't blame anybody i don't blame any of those circumstances uh of what you know what happened to me later on you know because I think at the end of the day, you know, even though you're around certain things, um, I feel like by blaming people, you don't, you don't get past that hump. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't, you don't play the victim uh, too much because, well, you shouldn't play it at all, but you know how it goes. It's just like, gotta, gotta pursue and gotta, uh, pre- uh, you know, press through. And that's what I did. And like, um, you know, like I said, I had to grow up really early, really quick, but I <laughs> didn't have any really eyes on me right so the first time i ever smoked weed i was eight 
mm-hmm. with my brother and his friends and you know and obviously they think that's hilarious and funny you know they got this you know, young kid, kid high. yeah <laughs> yeah like they're getting their dog <laughs> high yeah it, it, that's exactly what i was thinking you know when i was thinking about that <laughs> and it was i mean like i said i i know i shouldn't have been around that stuff but uh, you know, those are like awesome moments I had because, you know, what brother doesn't want to be hanging out with their older brother at that time, um, even though the circumstances were bad because of that. Um, but, you know, for us to eat, like my mom, even though she made good money, but she had three kids to raise on her own. My dad did nothing um, for he still has not paid child support to this day, till this day, not a, not a dime. So like he doesn't have his license and all that stuff because of that. So you can, you get like a kind of picture on who he is. Right. So, um, and I, uh, you know, so I, I really, you know, took what my brother did as like, okay, this is what we need to do. Um, you know, he sold drugs, you know, then he got like really kind of like selling big time stuff, but he always like, I never touched that when I was young because he would scare the hell out of me. Like he, he knew I was going to see it at some point. So he was just like, listen, if you touch this, you're going to die. Like he would scare me, right? So I always like, you know, it was like I was seeing like acid, and meanwhile I'm I'm like eight or nine, right? And I know all this shit already. It's like I had there was like a stack of acid strips, you know, back in the day. They said, the well, papers, I think they yeah. still do it. The papers, mm-hmm. yeah, LSD, uh, yep, for like raves and you know all that shit. And that was like that scene then, right? Now what year we're is looking this? at? Uh, so that was uh 1998 or like and then into like 1999 so that was yeah. like the um the rave scene and like uh i was in what it. was it that the, the chronic album remember that came out the Dr. yeah Trey? man yeah 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 i was i was oh i was deep i was lost at that point you couldn't oh, tell me man. nothing there <laughs> and i'm bumping that stuff at my age like hanging out with my brothers listening to like nas and and uh jay-z and all that stuff so it's like i was like I re- like reciting like i'm thinking about it now like lines that we're like, oh my God, like at that age, you listen to that shit? Yeah. But um, like I said, I mean, my, no matter how like crazy this seems, like how it like kind of started, it's just like my brother always would try to reel it in when he saw that something was kind of like, you know, catching me smoking cigarettes and, you know, like stuff like that. He only wanted to do it like he didn't want me doing it without him. Like, or if, he, if I, you know, him thinking like, okay, this is the way that I can control it. Meanwhile, he's only 16, so you can't like, He's still a kid himself. Um, well, let me so, ask you this. Let me ask you, did, did that music influence you at all? Uh, no. Um, I think I was too young to, to grasp uh, the, the um, substance behind it. I, I knew, you know, how I could recite lines, but it doesn't mean that I really knew what was going on. Because I'd be honest, I, you know, that, that wasn't the, um, the thing that stared me into a certain kind of point. Because you'll hear later on, like, it really wasn't, you know, but, um, you know, was it an impact on my life? And I, and I, uh, something I always remember. Yeah. Um, and it always brings back memories, you know, listen to certain songs and stuff. So I, I don't take it as that. Um, but yeah, so my, um, so I'm with, you know, my brother all the time, like, cause he's, he's selling drugs and for us to eat, you know, because, you know, they weren't really leaving money. My mom was in the hospital, literally they were like living at the hospital because, my sister was on like life support for like six months. Um, you know, the chemo radiation, all that stuff wasn't even working. Um, so it was bad. You know what I mean? It was like, like real bad, but I, I, I didn't know what was going on. You know what I mean? Like I, you 
I knew my sister was sick, but I didn't know how bad it was. Right. So like, I'm going to like these like cool events and not knowing like, Hey, this is like some serious shit. This is the reason why you're like, kind of like around this stuff. But, um, my brother always tried to like be that, that supportive, you know, role, um, to make sure that I was okay. And that we always had something to eat. I always, <laughs> I always have money in my pocket. He would make sure I was taken care of. Um, so he stepped up big time, even though it wasn't like good things, but people don't understand when like you're from like the streets and how like things, you know, go, that is survival. You know, that is what needs to happen in circumstances that are not the best hands that were dealt. And like, like I said, I, I, I would never trade anything in that I've gone through. Um, and I think that's something that, um, you know, like I said, it shaped me early, like literally like it, it kind of like, like I said, it didn't, um, like those musics and those things didn't influence me, but it also, um, it also, those are where my roots are. You know what I mean? That's where I learned a lot of things. And, um, like I said, I, his memories are like insane. Um, and so what ends up happening is I'm, I'm we're getting a little older. Uh, like I said, my sister's still in the hospital. Um, and so one day, um, we're going to the hospital. Uh, I guess, yeah, my mom called and said, uh, told my, me and my brother, like, you guys got to get up to the hospital. Um, so apparently what they were doing on the side was uh, with, like, my grandmother, my grandfather, you know, the people that were, like, involved in our family. Um, you know, they said, uh, listen, we got to uh, start picking out, you know, some burial plots and mm. caskets and all that stuff because it doesn't look like she's going to make it. Um, so, we, you know, we... I mean, they didn't, they just told me that part, but all the other things, they clearly, as an adult, they would be doing that stuff. I wouldn't be, but. Yeah, just stuff um, that and you I, hear from the side and stuff like that, right? You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Like little, you're catching little conversations Tidbits here and there. And you try to put it together, you know? Yeah, and like I said, it's just like, I, I knew something was bad, but I didn't know how bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so fast forward a little bit. Um, now, now it's getting real, right? So now, like, um, you know, now the final rights, you know what I mean? When they come in and they, you know, they do the oil, they don't do it for everybody, but they do it for, you know, it's a religious and it's a very good uh, way to keep, get the whole family together to, to be in the same moment for the same thing. So I remember vividly, you know, being in the hospital and them putting the oil on our forehead and, you know, everybody's saying, um, you know, you know, prayers and goodbyes and all this. Cause mm-hmm. We didn't know if like when it was going to happen, but, it seemed like it was happening very going to happen very soon. So, so when we were there, um, you know, we came back, like I said, I was so young. So it's not like, you know, grief. I didn't know what how, or how to handle grief or anything in that sense. Like I didn't know what was going on really. Right. So out of nowhere, right. Now this is shit that's in the books now. And <laughs> this is like, you don't believe in God. Uh, I don't know what to say to you, you know, like, you know, I know people have to have experiences, right? But so, like I said, the chemo and all that stuff wasn't working, right? Nothing shrank, nothing did anything. She had 18 tumors on her liver, 18. So after she got, you know, the final rights, um, with, um, and I, I'm not even joking. Uh, this is, like I said, this is all in the medical books and everything. Out of nowhere, like two days later, all of a sudden, the, the tumors just started shrinking out of nowhere. The doctors were like, uh, we, we're not, we haven't been doing chemo or any kind of radiation anymore, so we don't know what's going on. So little by little, 
they just started drinking and drinking mm. and drinking. And then to a point where now, boom, she's off life support, right? Everybody's like, holy shit. Like, what is going on? Yeah. And and then, um, you know, little by little, she had to learn how to, like, walk, talk, like, walk, you know, everything again. You know, she lost all her hair, um, hmm. everything, right? It, it was, right? It makes you think, right? Like, holy shit. You know, and, and I always remember, too, like, my 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 grandmother, right? prayed every single day she said every single day she would pray for her uh she did not miss one day um and i and i think that was a lot to do with like if you saw my grandmother she is your definition of the grandmother of the year like she was her name's Dottie. like how 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 grandmother of a name is can that be right and she's just a sweetheart you know and she was like the one that always kind of kept the family even though our family was so nuts and chaotic the matriarch you know she all yeah she kept things glued um and you know like i said i don't know where things started you know getting better and better and you know i'm getting older but like you know like i said i'm still you know i mean i'm I'm hanging with my brother seeing things i probably shouldn't be seeing um and you know after i think it was about a couple years so 12 13 I think she was in there for like no no lie like a year and a half of mm. in hospital and um so like I said she's getting much better now and now she's able to come home like she's in remission like that she's the only one in the entire she's the only one in the whole world that has ever survived that cancer at that stage and how progressive and how many tumors there's no one in the world that's ever survived it. She had like a 0.00001, you know, chance of survival. Um, and the only other girl that had that kind of um, was actually the daughter of the founder of Make-A-Wish. So we were really close to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Like, cause I, um, I was able to go to like Paul Newman camp. Like mm-hmm. that shit was insane. Uh, you know, those, are, uh, it's for families the ones that got affected by it, right? They're not, they don't have cancer, but they were the sisters or the brothers or, you know, of that, that uh, person. And, um, you know, Paul Newman, like he, he like was all about, you know, for the, uh, for cancer and all that. So like, you know, we got to go to like, we were having like manhunts a thousand on a thousand on a thousand on that. Like that's how many kids were there. Thousands. Um, It was, it was like the best, best time of my life like because it was like you, you forgot about all the chaos and all the craziness that was going on right yeah. just for that little bit of time you got yeah, to just like, a moment like, of positivity and joy people were happy you didn't have to yeah there was no yeah <laughs> there was no worries yeah and it was like it was always funny too to reflect there because like every I, I find out like how much my growth is so much beyond other people just for what i what i was kind of around um because you know these kids have talked about this and like in my head i'm thinking like you know, I'm already thinking about girls and shit and like, you know, all these things. It was just like, um, it was I, I, thinking back now, the growth level of how quick I did grow up, you know, was definitely, you know, an issue, but you know, I made the best of it. You know what I mean? And I was like, you know, like I said, my brother was like, he ended up, like I said, he, him and his friends were, you know, they were tight niche. Like they were all hockey players. Um, you know, that, that kind of bond with hockey's guys, just like that really tight knit group. Right. 
Mm-hmm. So this kid Preston, he didn't play hockey, but he was, you know, around my, um, you know, my friends and all that. I mean, my brother's friends, and like he was just, he seemed like he was like a second brother to me. His name was Preston McCauley, um, and so now we're setting up to go to Make a Wish because now my sister's better. So now we're going to go to you know Florida for, you know, um, you know for a week. All expenses paid. You know everything you can possibly think of our own like it was like um our own like i don't even know how to explain it like a village just for us like we had our own like village yeah and like you got catered and it was the most amazing thing i've ever you know been around but uh what happened earlier just before all that you know stuff happened uh my brother's you know preston was like i said very very close to me like he loved baseball i love baseball my brother wasn't really a baseball guy, but uh, so I was always able to play catch with him. And he was just an awesome guy, right? He actually, a year before that, took a hit on my, my brother's had that, he had the acid. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually mm-hmm. took a hit at 16, did a full year, a full year for my, and he didn't rap, didn't say anything. It was my brother's self he was holding. So he took the rap for all of it, right? So he, he was like that, that was the guy, you know, he was a really, really good guy. And, like I said, my him and my brother would, you know, brawls, like they were always together. They always took care of each other. Um, but so one night, um, I guess, you know, this girl was either drinking or whatever. Uh, you know, Preston was in the back. There was two other girls and then, you know, and then the driver and on the passenger side. Uh, I guess it was speeding around this, you know, bend on a uh, back road. And it was like an explorer type. So, you know how they're kind of like, they, they're easy to flip. Yep, 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 okay, yep. Driving like an idiot. Uh, so, yeah, she was driving like an idiot. Um, lost control. It flipped the car. Uh, and Preston got ejected out the window. Like 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 a super, he didn't have a seatbelt on. So, it was like a Superman effect. But it was like, they were going like 50, 60 miles an hour. Like, so, it projected him out. And then he hit a tree head on, like like a head on to a tree at that speed uh collapsed and then i guess they they kind of all like crawled out and they they looked at him and because he's the only one that got ejected and he stood up he was like what happened and then just collapsed um and then he died right there so you know that that was devastation to our you know so so preston preston hit the tree yeah so like when he got ejected out the window he got ejected and he flew into the tree not the car right and right. then he stood up and 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 said what happened and it collapsed. But what what collapsed. was the, what was the damage that that ultimately deceased him? That killed him. Uh, well, he, they still don't know how he even got up because everything was shattered. Um, his it must have been of his adrenaline. Yeah. Um, I guess like shit was like there was some organ that like split in half. Like it was like mm-hmm. that's how hard the impact was. Right. They don't like I said. I don't even know how he even had the strength to get up. Um, and you know, that, that shit was like insane because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm really young. Right. Preston's like a brother to me. And like I said, my, my mom wasn't, my mom was, a, she meant well, she just didn't know how to parent all that well. Um, so she mm-hmm. at two in the morning comes walking in my room and just says, Hey, Preston died. And I'm like, what? I, I'm thinking it's like a dream. Right. So I don't know. And, and like I said, I'm only like 10 years old, nine, 10. And, she, and then she just leaves the room and then i'm like uh, all right like now i'm like can't go to bed do you see what i'm saying like 
good mom just doesn't know how to she just didn't really know how to parent like i don't want to bash her because she's she is a good person well yeah um, it's just it, it yeah it's just it's just you know in these instances like you say the reflection it's it's looking back and, and knowing that <clears throat> these people my parents your parents our parents you know were just trying to survive like your mom probably had the pressures of the world on her in the moment She's got mm. bills. She's got all this shit. Now she's got to deal with your best friend. She don't know. She don't have time for this stuff. You know what right. I mean? And it's just, mm-hmm. listen, your best friend is, is just got killed and went back to figuring out bills or, or who, whatever, you know, and as it's us as lot. adults, you know, now that that helped me with my grieving and my my blame as as what we said earlier, because it allowed me to process and step out of me blaming and saying, well, before I blame this. Let me just look at life from their shoes. How were they making decisions? What kind of pressures were they under making these decisions? You know, because now I'm at their age where they had me at. And I'm sitting there asking myself, in my current condition, would I be able to raise a child accurately and, and wholesome? There's no way. You know what I mean? There's no way. So that helped me a lot with blaming them, with just understanding that, they did the best that they could with the shit that they had going on, you know? Perfectly put, just like that, you know, and it took me a long time to really get that grasp. It wasn't like I was blaming, to be honest. Like I said, I I took accountability kind of early. Did I have some reservations on shit? Yeah, but, um, you know, that was perfect. I pretty much can't say it any better than that because, you know, I try to reflect and say, damn, like, at her age, dealing with that, you know, the guy that she was with, you know, isn't doing shit, um, isn't shit. And like, you know, dealing with her daughter almost dying. Now, not only all that shit, but she had to step up. We had like, a, I'm not even kidding. Cause like we got, we got very blessed when it came to like uh, foundations and like people, you know, donate, like we got taken care of because how devastating this whole thing was and how like, impactful it was to, you know you know all of us and you know people did did us right like in as like a community they stepped up huge and i can never fully thank them enough um like i said i didn't have the <laughs> the grasp to even know how to do that but thinking back now like shit you know people did some good stuff like my mom had to have we had a hospital room literally like in our in her room right like so her trying to go to school, but you know, that's when the cameras first came out and it, it, it was like the evolution of like everything, right? Of like at that time, just think of like where technology was at. And right, right. So she, you know, is trying to do the best she can. And and she had to know how to like administer certain stuff. Like I said, my sister was on um like this is when I I had to like remember back when I first heard about fentanyl coming around. Mm. And that she was getting the strips, the things back in the day um, and not even knowing like, you know, now not even knowing what the hell that was, but that's how sick she was and how much in pain she was. And mm. like, like I said, she had, a, she had like, you know, the braces for a while, how to like walk again. And it, it was bad, like real, real bad. But my mom stepped up and learned so much shit as like almost like a nurse. She turned into like a nurse. And like, I still always tell it to this day. I'm like, man, you gotta, I wish you took on like, or even went. And I know it's a lot. You gotta go to school mm-hmm. for a lot. 
my mom's, you know, great mom, but she academic wise, she wouldn't have been able to handle that. But mm. like learning that kind of stuff and, and helping your daughter, like that was like amazing. Now thinking about it, like, I don't know how she did it. I don't know how she got through it. Um, like I said, it was some really, that's you know, what women time. do, man. That's what women do. Women yeah. find a way to get it done, man. They do. They just step up and she became like the mother and the father. But I already, you know what I mean? Like my brother was always that, that intimidator because he, he was, he's a lot bigger than me. He's uh, like I said, I'm only like five, five, not that big, but uh, my brother is like five, 10 because we had different dads. So I always tell him that I'm like, you, you lucked out on the diet mm. side, buddy. Um, but um, so he was like the enforcer, you know what I mean? Like if I wouldn't, if I didn't yeah. want to take medicine or, you know, something stupid, you'd be like, Oh, I'm going to tell Steve. So fuck, like, I don't to try to do that. Like, yeah, so yeah. that was like the deterrence. Cause you have, I'm telling you, and you know, I think because I didn't fully go off the rails. I'm like, what well, we talked later, but uh, you know, you have to having that male presence in, in a home is crucial. I, I cannot stress that enough of how important a male role model for kids' development, especially boys growing up, of having that male role model um, to really guide you. And granted, I got that, but in a different form. So think like I had like a father brother, yes, <laughs> which is right. so weird. Um, but it would that's how it was. So he wouldn't just handle things of like, okay, as a brother thing, but it was like it's almost getting in trouble now. Like, and then it, it it's thinking, I always look back at it that I'm like, holy shit, like, you know, he did step up too huge. Um, like I said, I'm the, I was the youngest out of the whole family. So like, you know, he, he did what he felt was right. And I, you know, I can't thank him enough for that. Um, and well, and these are, these are the issues though, too, is because now you have a young man that should be worrying about getting his life in place, you know, uh, getting right. his career started and what he's going to do with his life. He's placed in the responsibility of a fatherhood. You know what I mean? Right. And has no idea how to even be that. So it's these are the circumstances. These are these are the domino effects. So now well, continue. You know what's cr- crazy about that too is like because obviously there's so much you can't. You know, I- I'm loving this conversation. By the way, this is like this is medicine for us, right? This is stuff yes, that helps is. us. Um, you know, process. get our shit out and then process and and really evaluate. You know, so um, my brother actually shitty enough like i said i remember i told you my, my mom was a a good mom but she had a lot of faults right mm-hmm. so when my my so my father right so he was in my life until five like my he was in there sporadically but he was in my life till five my mom lied and so didn't he about who the real father was so mm-hmm. my dad wasn't his dad but he thought it was his dad right so which and my brother my dad was very abusive so your brother didn't know he was a half brother no not at the time not when he was really young no and you want to know what's crazy is and these are things that i have a hard time forgiving not as like a way of like not moving forward but a way of being like those are lessons that i would never do ever ever um and i'm not here to like like you know like i told you i'm not here to blast anybody this mm-hmm. is my, this is what happened. Just this about understanding. Right. 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 And this is going to help other people like really just being able to grasp those tough talks that we were never able to do. And like, you know, the fact that he didn't know who his real father was until he was 16. That's, 
fucked up, beyond fucked up. Um, and that really fucked with him bad. Um, but he, so know, was he calling, was he calling your dad, his dad? He, I mean, he was under yeah. the impression that this was his father. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Because his father that he actually has now, like I said, there's so many like weird things that happened later on. So how did he that. find out? So I think it slipped up in a conversation and my brother found out like it was the like truth an accidental. always comes out, man. The truth always comes out. And, and, you know, my grandparents, I guess, were trying to say, like, you need to tell him. You need mm. to tell him. But they felt like it wasn't their place. But I'm always saying, like, damn, like, shit, I would have said something. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get it. It's easier said than done, right? But right. it's also one thing that you know shouldn't have happened, right? Because my, bro- my, my father was a piece of shit. Like, he used to beat on him, all that stuff. So, like, mm. he always used to probably feel like, fuck, like, like, why is my dad doing this only to me? Like, why is he treat me like this? You know, that because he thought about that shit. You know, hearing that later kind of kind of fucked with like me, like, damn, like, you know, I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And like, um, you know, I, and then one thing that I can always say that I'll never forgive was my so my mom, when she was like seven, seven months, yeah, seven, yeah, about seven months pregnant with me, and my dad used to he used to come home whenever he felt like it would disappear at days and my mom just held us and just was a mom you know what I mean like she said whatever like it would just handle her shit but you know he put her out in a blizzard a full blizzard pretty much you know with the clothes she had on made her sit outside and my had my sister sit at the top of the steps and not let her in until he said so and my mom's like pounding on the door I could have got killed. Like she could have got killed. I could have got killed. And just to think of like a male, a, a man doing that shit to a female. And that's one thing that always drove me is I will not put my hands on a female. I will never, you just don't do that shit. Especially if you're married and you've got a kid with them like that. And like I said, I ended up finding that stuff out like later, but that, that stuff was starting to pop around as I got older. So, you could see why I didn't want him really around, right? I knew he was my father, but, like, he wasn't my father, right? So, um, and it was just so messed up. And to, to bring this conversation back where it was leading was, um, remember we said we were going to make a wish. Um, oh. I was going there and. The support of the community and all that. And what was crazy was going to the Make-A-Wish Foundation to Florida. And it, Preston died, like, two days before. So he couldn't even go to the funeral Mm. so think of how devastating that was you know and we didn't get to go and you know process all that shit and like and Mm. these are what I'm kind of tying in of like how like my brother what he dealt with uh, you know at a young age but stepped up as like you know a father figure but you could see how chaotic shit was right like shit was just like all Mm. over the place you know crazy things happening right (laughs) You know, my sister surviving the craziest cancer. She was like on TV. It was like a TV thing uh, they had on her. They had on her, um, and like I said, now my brother's trying to deal with the grief of his best friend because they were going to go to the military together. Mm. Uh, that was their that was their their plan. So yeah, like you said, how my brother, you know, was taking care of me, but he was trying to get his future together. But he wasn't right. good in school. 
like <laughs> all the girls did his homework because they knew like what was going on uh, with my brothers, you know, with our family. My sister at that time was still in the hospital. So teachers gave him a pass, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he got, it kind of fucked him up a little bit because like- yeah, he now, took you know, advantage of that shit. He took advantage, but then it also, now he doesn't spell- It hindered him, right, yep. Yeah, hindered him, but very, very good with his hands. He owns his own business now. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll get into all these that like where that ends up going. But, um, yeah, like I said, dealing with that grief and, and, and what's crazy is if I can bring even like a spiritual aspect to this stuff, right. Tying it back in to when Preston died. And when we came back, right. Uh, after that trip, which was great, but it was still weird. Cause my brother just wasn't, he was there, but he wasn't there. You know what I mean? Um, and I remember when I was younger, like, uh, when that happened, I ended up moving upstairs, right, to the room up there. Yeah. And I swear to God, I was getting, like, knocks on my door. And I'm, like, going and opening. And no one there. So I'm, like, not really thinking too much of it, right? Because I don't know any, like, what's about to happen, right? <laughs> you know, hold on. Like, you're going to, this is insane and all documented. Um, so, you know, all of a sudden, I'm, like, we, me and my brother are feeling, like, somebody was, like, coming and sitting at the edge of the bed and well you saw it kind of like the crease would go down we're like what the fuck right and at the time we didn't really like i told you that that shit happened with my sister right so you would think i would have more of a believing of the spiritual but i'm, yeah. I'm still young like i don't i don't know i i have to see it feel it mm -hmm. touch it to, to believe it right mm -hmm. so now all of a sudden shit was getting like even crazier right and my even my brother was like I don't know what's going on, um, but, but I think that Preston's still around. <laughs> I think he hasn't moved on yet because he died tragically, right? Like they say, like you know that when a when a soul when a soul dies, about I think uh, Joe Rogan said they weighed, they did this like measurement thing where they put somebody died, right, and then they weighed them right after they died, and they were. Uh, it was like three point something ounces less every time a person. So no matter how big, small they were, that amount was always lower. So they're thinking that's energy that leaves the body because we all have energy mm -hmm. like proven. So that the energy I'm thinking you die tragically, right? Your energy and your, your life, you think you're still probably alive, right? Cause you haven't crossed on yet. Cause you, you, you didn't know. <laughs> You're trying to say goodbye to people, but you don't know what's going on, right? So obviously, we don't know all these things, but these are just what we kind of got wrapped together, right? So we met a lady called Maureen in Wyoming. I got to meet, like, Mick Foley back in the day, the wrestler, uh, the Undertaker. Like, that's what I was like. Mick Foley. That was, uh, that was Hacksaw Jim Duggan, wasn't it? Uh, no, well, he was Cactus Jack. Dude Love. Cactus Jack. That's what I know him as. Yeah. Cactus Jack. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude Love. And what was insane is that we'd go to these benefits. I'd meet all these celebrities, right? Because it was for cancer, the YME, and all that stuff, right? They were very close to our family because that girl that I told you that ran, started the organization, her mm -hmm. daughter died of the same thing that my sister did because mm -hmm. her daughter beat it and then it came back. So she gravitated towards my sister. So we were like, in the main circle, not just like in with uh, regular why me. And I don't mean to sound like that's like any special more social than whatever people did, but like we got to see a lot of shit, uh, you know, behind the scenes that you would, like I said, it's all, <laughs> all documented, uh, insane. 
this girl Maureen, right? She was in, I'll never forget this. She was in that organization as a help, right? Because she had a gift, a gift, right? And as I, like I said, I'm still young. So I, it took me like a while to understand kind of what was going on, right? But super interested. <laughs> so she thought she was going insane. So she checked herself into a mental hospital, right? And they were like, nothing's wrong with you. You have like, I'm going to refer you to somebody. And it was a priest. She went to the priest, talked to the priest, and all of a sudden the priest said, listen, you have a gift, and his name is Michael, <laughs> the archangel Michael, was talking to her, and her gift was so strong and so big, and for like the organization she was at, that she, for a while she was finding missing children um, through America's Most Wanted. So she mm. helped them out for a while, you know, finding missing kids dead or alive, um, cause all the information was coming up right from Michael. Right. But they wanted to hire her on full time, but she couldn't because you can't take money from an organization when you have a gift, like all these like scam artists, people that do that shit, they're not supposed to, they probably have the gift, but they're not supposed to take money for it. And that's like forbidden. Mm -hmm. It's like using yourself or using mm -hmm. your gift as extortion, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so she started working for why me, right? Cause like, obviously you still gotta make a living, but you also can't use your gift as like a, uh, a way to make money. So she worked for the organization. And so, you know how I told you all that shit was going on in my house, like the knocking on the door, like, you know, my brother was getting up, you got a call, literally a voicemail from Preston's mother, but it was Preston. He saved it for like years. It goes, Hey, Steve, right with Preston's voice. And then it goes right to his mother's voice. Like he's that, that it gives me goosebumps even thinking about that. It was his, you cannot decipher his voice from his mother. It was so different. And he saved that forever. Like for, I don't know if that, he still has that phone. It was like the first phones in Nokia. Remember those yep, ones? Yep, yep. So anyways, um, hmm. so we're, my brother's having a hard time with the shit now. Now like stuff's picking up a little bit and like, and I, I'm getting freaked out. Like, I'm leaving my room and jumping in. Yeah, I'm like, Steve, I'm not sleeping alone. And so I jump in bed. And, um, and so my mom, you know, went to talk to Maureen. It was like, hey, listen, this is what's going on with my son. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. She didn't even give him that much details, right? Because the crazy thing is that's her gift. Like, you don't even have to really say anything. And so I... I'm only like 10 years old, right? Sitting in my living room and my brother's there, Maureen and a uh, couple other people, right? So she, she talks to Steve and says, hey, uh, somebody wants to talk to you. And brother was like, because my brother went into that like, hell no, like that shit ain't real. Like he did not believe in that, right? Right, right. And then all of a sudden he, uh, so he, looks at her and I look at her and you could like feel and I don't know what to call it but there was like you could feel energy in that like somebody else was there but wasn't like a higher form right and she go she her eyes roll back to her head and Michael was talking for Preston to Steve and said hey like listen that's that that is me and I I just wanted to say I'm okay uh, I didn't want to cross on yet. 
uh, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I love you and like, you know, take care and do it. Like everybody was balling, you know, it was, and she was even telling stories <laughs> that only my brother do in Preston, nobody else. That's what confirmed him to like, believe holy shit. Like, this is real. Like this is actually happening. Like, and like I said, I'm not the only one that was there. It was like the whole, I, I, and they can all vouch for it. It's, it's insane. And after that, right? Nothing. No more knocking, no more. It's like she, she made that, that happen, right? So mm. <laughs> it's like the stuff that I went through from such a young age to, to just like 10 years old, like people felt bad. You know, that's why I got a lot, got away with a lot. Now I like, kind of bring it back to me is like, I would almost like do shit just to do it because I knew I could get away with it. Right. And it was manipulation at such a young age. I had such a manipulating behavior um, because that's how my dad was. And like, no matter how much I tried to fight, isn't that fucked up and uh, I hate it. But I, I, the more I didn't want to be like my dad, I saw character traits that I did have and it really pissed me off because I, I, I told myself I will never ever be like him. Like I will never put my hands on females. I'm, that's just, I'm not going to be that way, but it's not like I put hands on my female, but there was drug addiction in the family, right? Mm -hmm. Mental health, like my grandmother on his side was very, that lady that talked to herself, uh, that crazy lady, but you know, she meant well, obviously, but oh man. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, it was, I got hit with that stick of like mental health and his addiction too. There you mm -hmm. go. Dual diagnosed, right? And but I never, you know, when all this stuff was going on, right, because my sister ended up, because she lost her teen years, and she got better. She recovered and all that. She rebelled like you wouldn't believe, like mm. <laughs> like a hell, a bat out of hell, you know, like wanted to make up for all the years that she lost. So she went out, and she just was out of her mind, right? And it caused like a turmoil, like huge, huge turmoil. Like, cause like, listen, this is a girl that shouldn't be here. Like she should not be alive at all. Right. And, but you know, when somebody goes to that, like, I can't, I can't say how that feels. Right. So I can only imagine why she did the shit she did because she didn't feel like she, she felt like she lost her, her teen years and, you know, you know, come, running away, um, you know, doing whatever she wanted to do to a point where now I think my mom has so much on her plate, you know, dealing with, you know, bills or whatever. Now she's now things are bad. Uh, Cause she lost all that. She lost Raytheon. And she was making like $35 an hour back in the day. So think of like all that money that she, she could, you know what I mean? Like all gone, you know, that's 16 years, boom, gone. And so my sister rebelled so bad to the point where my mom couldn't even handle her anymore just couldn't she always ran away and she ended up had to put her in dys just so she knew where she was um not saying i believe in all that shit but like it's it's what needed to happen at that time what is dys <laughs> dys is like a group home like for kids that are wild reckless mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's oh it's a step before jail so they put you in like that not it's almost like a, a section but you're not an adult so you can't section a younger kid right so mm -hmm. that's the way of that that's like we'll put it that way that's like a mini section right for younger kids that just do not listen do not unmanageable you know 
Correct. As they deem unmanageable, yeah. Right. Which, you know, there's obviously underlining issues, obviously. And it's hard to discipline somebody that you knew that just survived that kind of shit. Like, how do you even, it's so hard. I can't even Hmm. fathom doing that. (laughs) So like all that shit that my mom had to deal with, that's why I always go back to saying like, listen, I knew she, she tried her best, you know, with certain things and, um, you know, things were just out of her control. Like my mom is only 4'10". She's tiny. So she, but she was scrappy, like scrap. I mean, I used to see her beat the brakes off of some of the girls that, you know, we're in our apartment and causing a ruckus for the kids. And that's what I was like, damn, my mom is crazy as hell. I wonder why I'm nuts. Um, But yeah, so that's like I said, it was just like something out of her control in a sense. But, um, you know, you could see where the chaos started happening. And we just, as a, as a group, we're just wild, wild childs. And like I said, I had a, a great, so where my addiction, you know, where I started seeing, you know, cause like I drank, smoked at eight, right. I drank a shot that same night. So I, I technically smoked and drank for the first time. I remember it was like a, a shot of vodka and I'm only like eight or nine years old. And Oh my God, I was like the worst thing I ever tasted in my life. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm never doing that again, like and shit like that. But it's it actually was crazy because my brother told me the reason why he did that shit, which his this is his logic, right? Behind it is he's like, Oh, I was just gonna try to get it out of your system. I'm like, what? <laughs> but that's his thought process at that age, right? So you can't like fault him on it. But it's funny to kind of look back and be like, Well, I, I mean, I guess if you're really thinking like that, but you know, and it and it kind of did in a sense. Because from like 13, I would say to like 15, I didn't smoke or do anything like that. I played baseball. Baseball was my thing, right? So, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, really falling in love with the sport. So, you know, when I started hitting high school, I went to a trade school. It's, it's called Aspen Valley um, in Marlboro. So it's a tech school. So you can learn a trade and, um, you know, academics. And. So I, um, I ended up taking up carpentry. So, cause my brother, you know, started a business in 2001. He was like 21 years old. Uh, cause he got his life back together. Like I said, he, he was on like chins and all that shit. He was, like I said, he was fucking chins is like, um, like almost like you have a probation officer and everything. Right. So sure. uh, yeah, he was fucking nuts. Like I said, and I, I remember seeing fights like, We'd go to places and shit would pop off. And I'd just see that little kid just sitting there, like, excited. Because my, my brother was nuts. So, like, not he didn't lose many. I didn't see him ever lose a fight. Um, and I, I seen him get into fights all the time. Like, beating a bag out of people. Like, And um, it's just his mentality. Like, now thinking, like, look at the bullshit he went through. Didn't even know who the fuck his dad was yeah. until he was 16, right? And then... He has all this pent up anger. He doesn't like to talk about any feelings, no nothing, right? So that was like his way of kind of like, you know, escaping and, and, and letting his aggression out, take it out on some other people. And uh, he actually, like, I'm really exposing some shit on him, but I don't, I don't care. Like, <laughs> this is my time to really just put, you know, because a lot of people, I told them about this podcast and like what you were doing, what you were trying to accomplish in a sense, you know, of like, you know, I, and like I said, I love the message and I told them like, Hey, 
you know, I'm going to be speaking on this podcast. Like, if you guys didn't know all the shit that I went through, uh, I'm putting it all out there. Because um, I, I want people that. to know. Yeah, because if you think about it, like, I feel like my first big podcast on, you know, with uh, a guy that's, you know, in, aligned with the same views as mine, I want to put, so people know <laughs> who the fuck I, you know, they know who I am. And, and I'm not going to sugarcoat shit. And I'd rather... Well, history has to be told. <laughs> history has to be told and it has to be told accurately, you know, because this is for documentative purposes, because that how I'll summarize all of this in the end, we'll just wrap up again, you know, just just things that goes on in every community, damn near almost every household, you know. Right. So like and, what and the things that you're saying, there's there's going to is going to resonate with so many people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And I think it's amazing, too, because it's really like that's my truth. You know, this is what, you know, I went through and why kind of things spiraled the way they did. And like I said, and you knew I said right off the rip, I'm not blaming anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I take accountability. <laughs> Trust me, it took me a while to get that part. But mm-hmm. that's called growth. And growth takes time. You know, you got most times addiction in itself takes you know, one, two, three, four. You never know. And it's the, the whole point is you can't. If you mess up, you have to get back to it because if you don't, that's where you're not guaranteed another day in life, you know, because look at uh, our statistics are not on our side right now, you know, for what's going on. But it doesn't mean that you have to be, you know what I mean? You can be that, that person that can change. And, you know, if I can, if I can have a message that kind of resonates with, you know, just anybody, I feel like anybody can take that run with it and have hope and succeed. And like, you know, I heard stories that definitely helped me, you know, help me get my shit together in a sense, because, and even like caring about your, you know, so I don't know everything, but just from what Cynthia told me, like you've been through a lot. So hmm. it's like, I, you know, knowing and talking to somebody that's been through a lot, that's, that's even better. That's why we're doing this is like, like I said, it's like, this is our, this is like our medicine. Like, this is what we do to, you know, get better and, and, and spread the message. Cause <laughs> you have obviously been very, very suppressed by the, the political side of all the bullshit that's going on so you know it's good that hopefully you know they get my ass on there they're gonna forget ban me on there <laughs> yeah. I, I don't hold back and i and like i said you know so kind of going back to that you know with my brother and my sister and like where we were at as a family unit uh, it was very chaotic so my sister never graduates you know high school you know which is sad you know and we were all trying to like, like I was very good at school. Well, I wouldn't say I was very good in school. I, from when I was young, I was that type that didn't have to study and I could still get manageable grades. And I, and I, in high school, once it got to that point, like I was a, I was like a pretty good uh, athlete, you know, in, in, um, in bit. I did my work, <laughs> didn't really have to study and I got to mess around. Teachers didn't know how to really handle that. You know what I mean? Because what are you disciplining him? He's getting good grades. Right. What? And he's an athlete. Like, what do you, what do we do? Like, right. can't, like, they try to discipline me. I didn't, I didn't listen. To that. Like, I was very rebellious, you know, but yeah, they couldn't figure out how to challenge you. No. And my, actually, my nephew, right? <laughs> actually, even the, the break on that, my sister was never supposed to have kids because uh, of chemo, radiation, all that stuff. You're not supposed to have them. So just another miracle shit happened. You know, she has five kids, five Ooh. kids. <laughs> yeah. And actually one of them, Thomas is like who I kind of was. Um, and I can see where he could, cool. he's, 
just turned 15, right? Six foot four, uh, like two something. It's a monster already. He didn't get our, his dad gene from our and side. And he just he turned what? From 15. 15? Yeah, he's huge. Good goal. Yeah. Plays basketball and all that. But he's, I'm finding out he's hanging out with certain, you know, I got to kind of, you know, put his ass into shape, make sure, you know, my brother's doing a good job with that too. Um, so, hmm. okay. So that stuff ends up happening. Like my sister gets pregnant at like 18 and she was like a runaway. She ran from DYS, hmm. met this guy, which he was no good, but he was on the run. So it was just like a chaotic kind of scene. But my mom tried her hardest to keep, you know, her from not going off too much to deep end. Right. Um, and, but she ended up, um, her first child that we, my mom ended up taking custody of her. Um, so that she could have a better, like, cause you know what the hell my sister was going to do? Because like I said, she, she has the genes like my father, the, in the bipolar. And we, we don't even know still to this day, you know, she's going to get checked on certain things because of what she went through. Right. Of course. yeah. And when you're on life support for that long, that fucks your brain up bad. Um, you know, the oxygen to your brain. And it's just, I feel like that's a very, uh, that's a very crucial thing that happened. Yeah. And that's why, you know, like I said, like our family, like I said, is very toxic and, and, and always fighting. And, um, I could see why, like, she would say things like wild. You would be like, what the fuck? Where did that come from? Um, but it's just, that's, I don't, it wasn't her fault. I, I couldn't always blame her in a sense. Cause I felt like there was a lot of un- underlining issues that she just didn't deal with yet. And like mm-hmm. I said, mental health wasn't like a thing to talk about. Right. At right. that time. And nobody really discussed it. And they tried to do counseling. I literally went in there and didn't say a word. The lady was like, I don't even know what to do. <laughs> so like I, they kind of tried to do what they could because of like what happened, you know, in our family. So now it comes to high school. Uh, you know, now it's like, I have all this freedom now that kind of like can my mom's got custody of my sister's kid. Right. I'm still in high school. I'm only 15. Um, so I'm an uncle already at 15. And uh, hmm. so now um, I'm pretty much doing, you know, great. I'm doing good in school. Um, you know, I'm smoking, drinking on the weekends like that. I was still able to do that and function, you know, in school and get good grades. Right. So, um, so when it came time to like, I thought because like my brother was a carpenter, right? My uncle was a carpenter. I thought it was just like in our family. Like it was just going to be something I'm going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. But not really knowing I didn't want to do that. Like I, I only did it to appease, I guess, you know, my brother and, and, and to think that was like, but you know, I knew deep down, like, that's just something I don't, I'm definitely not going to do. Like, but you know, that's where all the trials and tribulations end up happening because Right. I mean, nobody at 18 knows what the fuck they want to do with their life. Like, could you think of anything at that age that you would be like, okay, this is definitely what I'm doing. Like, hmm. I didn't want, I didn't want to get into debt. nothing realistic. Right. And I didn't want to go to college and go into debt. Like I, like I said, my, my experiences and who I hung out with, like almost, you know, like I said, I was eight and I'm hanging out with people double my age, like 16. And so, like, as I got older, I knew more about things than other people did. Right. And not just because I was smart or whatever. It was because of what I was surrounded with, right? So, like, I had to grow up 
quick. And so I knew don't go into college if you don't think you're doing that trade or whatever that is, because you're going to get in the debt. I saw friends that were already in college, right? And they were like pissed that they even did it because now they owe all this you know, money back. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not, I'm not. Um, so I took the route, you know, into something I quote unquote didn't want to do, but I felt like, um, I'm like, shit, well, whatever. I'll just do it for a little bit. Peace. I'm still partying on the weekend. Like I, by being in Auschwitz, there's at the time it was nine different towns. So like you got to branch out to all these different towns, these house, house parties where you meet all these people. And then that person lives there. So your, your base is very spread out so i had like i had so many different groups of friends because of different areas um yeah which was awesome i i i honestly think most people should go to tech schools always have a backup plan right and um what's it called i uh i just i went at it let's just say when when my friends are going off to college or whatever and then i was like doing my thing like that's that's where things started taking off that's when they're like i was like you know, didn't get a job right away as I got out in 18. Like I was still going and partying and doing all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're young, you think like that's, that's life. Like this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to party like crazy. Um, And I didn't get in any hard drugs yet. Like I, so I was, you know, smoking here and there and then I was drinking, but I, I kind of like was that type that drank to black out. (laughs) Like I, I, I do things too excessive. Like, it was mm-hmm. never enough, right? So, obviously, I was smaller than a lot of people. So, like, I'm trying to keep up with their tolerance, you know, right? I had, a, I had friends that were monsters, like huge, like wrestlers, like all these, like my buddy Ross, like an absolute tank. And um, you know, I, I, you know, I always tried to be the life of the party, or I always tried to have, you know, fun and try to keep up with everybody. And you know, you drink, you chug, you know, mm-hmm. one beer. I'm gonna mm-hmm. do two through a funnel. So it's like. That mindset, yeah, that mindset uh, is what I ended up taking on. Um, and I just remember how, like, at one point, I'm like, um, I was thinking, like, shit, I got to, my brother was like, dude, what the fuck are you going to do with your life? Like, he said, like, he made, like, a comment, right, mm-hmm. as I was going out, and he, he saw that, you know, but I ended up getting a job at, um, at Monic Supply, but I was, like, the receiver. So, like, I was handling the fork truck and uh, bringing in paint, Benjamin more paint and, and all checking in all the, the supplies from the store. So like, you know, it, it rapidly changed to a full-time job and I haven't never done that before. Right. This is my first like real job, um, mm-hmm. as doing like, you know, for a company. And, um, I was doing like 40 plus hours. Right. So somebody that doesn't really, that hasn't done anything like that and they jump right into that, it's, right. you know, it's a lot and I'm trying to do my best, you know, cause you're, I'm partying on the weekends and I'm sure I'm yeah, doing you this. still got Yeah. You still got it. Yeah. I got all that, that stuff that I feel like I need to do. Right. So I'm not sleeping much, waking up hungover or whatever. And, um, <laughs> I just remember, uh, getting to a point where I was like, fuck, like that's when I saw drugs starting to kind of take over. I saw my buddy was like breaking out a line one time and I didn't know what, it, and he's like, Oh, it's Coke. And I'm like, and I always told myself, I, I was never going to do that because that's what my dad did. My dad, that was his drug of choice. So in my mind, I'm like, I can't do that. Like, but you know how, you know, temptation is a bitch. And temptation will hit you when you don't 
when you're you're at least when you least expect at it. At your like, weakest point, you, yeah. Yeah, it will find its way. It'll bite you like when you're not ready, and that's really what ended up happening. Is like uh, you know, I tried that and I was like, oh shit! And like I said, that was my first one. So you, you know, it's like that. You're never gonna even hit this. Like, savor it now, buddy, because that ain't coming back. So mm-hmm. you know, that's how what happened. And I was very um, like I think I had like a very addictive personality, uh, and it ended up showing in drugs. So like, I would obsess, and even with baseball, you could even stem it back to when I was younger, right? Like if I went like two for four, I was pissed because I'm like, well, why didn't I go like two, three for four, four for four? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, I was very critical of myself at a young age, and I was very competitive, like super competitive, mm-hmm. um, like was bad. Um, and so when that kind of take when that kind of happens it really shifts you to a point of like uh obsession right and how obsession can turn you know really bad and that's what ended up happening is just like i had all these groups of friends so every there was always something going on right